Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 99. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about running uh, some drills in the dark uh, with weapon-mounted lights, but some twists we did um, to those drills to make them a little bit more relevant to real-world applications as opposed to just fun drills to run at the range. Absolutely. Um, those of you not familiar, you can search online for T-Max uh, Grid of Fire and uh, T-Max Blaze X Drill, um, understanding that we modified these to some extent for our intentions for what we wanted to train. Um, the, the group of guys that we shoot with on a regular basis, as a general rule of thumb, don't have issues with shooting. Um, I won't say all the time everyone, but as a general rule of thumb, don't have issues hitting a steel plate, a quarter size steel plate. Uh, the reality check is the, so what we chose to do, we'll start off with the Blaze X, is that cool? Sure. Okay, so the Blaze X, we took um, a cone as the center marker and then did uh, two, four sets of barrels, one at each corner, two barrels at each corner stacked yes. too high. Um, and basically the gist of the drill normally is to move with alacrity from the center point to an outer corner fire a hit, make a hit, move back to the center point, make a hit, move out to a corner, make a hit, move, you know, come back to the center point, etc. You get the idea. Um, but the idea for the drill is, again, not so much about shooting as it is getting into position good enough, fast as possible to make the hit because you are running it under time, under normal conditions. Um, so again, the idea is to get out from that center position to a corner position, get into position good enough to make the hit. And if you watch Pat uh, McNamara do this drill, um, on the front two positions, he is often uh, not in balance, still like under one movement. Hand, one foot. Yeah, still under movement, etc. cetera, um, getting into that position and getting enough sight resolution and enough stillness to make the shot, um, which doesn't mean not moving and doesn't mean perfect. It's just got to hit the, you know, the steel target. So um, adding cover into this, the idea was to move from the center point to a point of cover as quickly as possible, get in position, and then appropriately punch out from cover and make the hit with a light because this was a low light run. And it was dark, dark. And it, yeah, and it was dark, dark. So you had to get in position um, you know, and, and a lot of this guys comes down to, you know, getting into position. Are you crowding cover? Um, in this case, do you want to be back off a of cover? If it's a cylindrical tall cover item, you may not want to be super far back off a of cover, but how much situational awareness can you maintain with proper use of cover, etc.? And then also understanding that, you know, if you get the gun, if you get back far enough from cover and you start hammering a thousand lumens of light downrange, um, it affects things. It, you know, doesn't make it impossible to hit the target and it doesn't blind you. Um, but it adds complication versus getting up on cover appropriately without jamming your muzzle out past it, lets you use cover and get all the light where it needs to be and not necessarily give up your position by highlighting stuff around you. Um, you know, so it was a, that, that appropriateness, but also the idea of moving from one point to another rapidly and getting the gun up as you get into position, getting the sights lined up as you're coming to a stop, as you're getting ready to depress your light, Getting all those elements, um, you can't get sight picture, but or you can't get sight picture, but you can get sight alignment, which means you've got light alignment and all those different things, and get that body position, good cover, and then as you're as soon as you're set up, then punching out, hitting the light, um, finding sight picture, and pressing the shot off as quickly as possible. Um, none of this was done at crazy distances. I mean, were these were they the prescribed yeah. distances, so or was a little further? Uh, we're 
probably right about the prescribed distances. So the close um, barricades in this case were probably seven-ish yards from okay. the target. Okay. Um, the far ones were somewhere between fifteen and twenty. Okay. Yeah, it seemed like it was it was right on with the like ten, um, like ten, fifteen, twenty, or whatever yeah. kind of deal. Um, but anyway, the point of the movement was to to was to do was to move quickly. Um, you know, having an understanding that you know punching five yards in the dark is is literally just a few steps in in figuring out where the center was in the dark. Um, based off of no ambient light, but understanding where you just were and, and maintaining, and I, I don't like to, I don't like to use the term kinesiology or some kinesthetic awareness because generally the kinesthetic aspect of things means it's like appropriate reception. It's where are you at within your own body versus or like your internal inertial navigation system. There you go. You know how far are you from things um, that you were just at a position you were just at because you start in the center. You go to the big barrels. That's fairly easy to find the barrels, even in the dark. Um, it, but getting back to that center point, you know, just maintaining some situational awareness is probably as big a part of this drill as as the shooting for sure and everything else. I think that honestly, the setup on the barrels was probably more critical from a light usage and cover usage standpoint. Um, and not getting to the barrel, pressing out with your light, trying to figure out where crap's at, and then going, oh, now I need to align my sights. And then create sight picture with the target versus you can do most of that well ahead of time before you punch out from cover, even in the dark, with just a little bit of awareness. Yeah, I'd say most of the time lights were on for less than a second per yeah. position. Yeah, um, um, and, and even that, it sometimes I think might have been a little long, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so... And so you're running this drill. We we chose to run some evolutions of this drill. The first one where you're running, you know, you're running both hands, both eyes, but, you, you know, outboard of t uh, target, outboard of cover on both sides. So if you needed to switch up and go left-handed, two-handed, that's fine. Left-handed, one-handed, that's fine. Whatever. It's kind of a shooter's choice kind of thing the first round or two. But then most of us chose to go ahead and run. If you were going to your right, run strong hand, only right side. Or, or if it's your weak hand, then weak hand, only right side. When you went to cover that was on the left or positions on the left of the diamond, then going back to using one hand only on that side as well and doing those types of things. Um, but it's, it's all the same conversation. It's just doing it strong hand, one hand or weak hand, one hand or whatever, where you're still trying to move with, you know, speed to that position as quickly as you can get there. But also having that gun up in front of you, getting set up, getting the sights lined up. If you got night sights on the gun or a dot, you know, finding the dot and then being aware of where your cover is, punching out from cover, hitting the light, and taking the shot quick, and then getting back to that center position if you made the hit, which there's no reason not to at those distances. Yeah, so. one of the things, um, we purposely used a small cone um, for the center position uh, to replicate having to take a snapshot you know, in the center where you don't have cover. It's just get the gun up, get the gun out, um, hit the target, and then yeah. keep moving. Yeah, and realistically, moving from the front positions, once you see what the Blaze X looks like, is literally a square with a center in the middle. Um, moving from the up up range positions, or from the down range positions to the up range position to stop in the middle and shoot, um, you know, that that's, that's a difficult one because you're basically turning around um, enough to make the shot for enough time to make the shot. Um, and I think that was a position that got a lot of people because – the instructions were, again, more about getting in a perfect shooting position. They were less about getting in a perfect shooting position and more about getting in a good enough position, making the hit, and then getting out of dodge. Um, and so we were kind of stressing for everybody to move through that position quickly because you're exposed. 
Um, as a result, <laughs> there were a number of times where going to the middle position sounded a lot like bang, 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 bang you know, and, and somebody's trying to make up that miss as quickly as possible. Um, accuracy through volume. Accuracy through volume. Um, and it was a thing because one of those four or five extra shots generally seemed to hit the target. Um, unfortunately, the rest hit nuns and orphans, maybe a pedophile. Um, so, but on the Blaze X, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like those drills for movement's sake because they're maybe not quite enough to get your heart rate up, but they're enough to get you, you know, thinking about what you're doing and, and maybe just a skosh out of your comfort zone if you run them hard because it's just enough distance to move. Yeah. Um, but getting in the positions quickly, it's amazing if you just spend a little bit of time refining your movement especially coming to a stop. Uh, one of the guys in our group loves to get up to speed and then would be sliding in the second base if he had a uniform on, but kind of jumped to a stop. Um, and, and while that, I don't know that's necessarily fast or not, he moves well, um, but the stopping aspect of it, the herky-jerkiness as opposed to smoothly getting the gun up and coming to a, a quick stop or enough of a stop seemed to be a little faster for everybody. Yeah, if you look at high high ranking um, USPSA shooters, like our friend Captain Gimli, uh, I think he's high ranking. Yeah, he does all right. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, guys like Ben Stoger, uh, the guys that were X Ray Alpha, um, T Max, uh, watch their decelerations um, because decelerating into the position is honestly probably the most critical part of setting up to make a quick hit. Um, when you've got to be in position on time. When you're decelerating, using your quads to help you know, cushion that impact, kind of slow things down, um, you really want to start thinking about slowing down probably three steps before the position you're trying to get into. Yeah, and in a five-yard movement, that's basically all of the movement. You've got a step or two to get up to any kind of speed, and then you're thinking about slowing back down. Um, and if you, again, if you watch, you know, guys – high-level comp competitive shooters, they generally can de- – all their time is made up. It's not shooting. They all shoot the same. They all shoot the same speed. They all shoot the same accuracy. The, the winners move from position to position faster, which means they get up to speed faster, they are faster, and they stop faster than everyone else. And that might only be by a few thousands of a second or hundreds of a second to win a match. Um, so, that, you know, it should be the same idea in the real world. And there may be a case where, you know, getting up to speed but then decelerating may mean flopping your ass on the ground behind something so you don't get shot. Um, You know, and that may be the best method of deceleration depending on the environment and the situation you're in. In this case, um, I'm too old and fat to flop myself on the ground without really good reason. So, um, like I said, a lot of this was about the movement more than it was about the shooting necessarily and about the positions more than it was about the shooting necessarily. So, yes. Yeah, uh, talk about the grid of fire. Absolutely. Um, grid of fire, for those of you that aren't aware, six cones, uh, two rows of three parallel to each other. Again, you're starting out seven to ten yards from a steel plate, and th- these back up pretty far. You can end up 25, 30 yards. This should be, um, if it's set up, it's like 10, 15, 20. There you go. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think we might have been stretched a little bit past that, but, it, but still... Um, it's a good little, you know, up to speed, back trying to stop quick kind of deal. And you're moving again in a figure eight from the, the two parallel lines of cones are pointing down range toward the target with the target in the middle of them. Um, and so you're moving from, from, you know, 20 yards out to 15 yards out and then over laterally and then forward to 10 yards out and then over laterally and then back, um, same grid of fire, 
this in this case we did not use points of cover we simply used the positions uh, but did it in a low light environment and again the push being shouldn't be turning your darker than the blaze X exactly and so um, and you, you know you shouldn't be turning your light on getting into position you're not using a weapon light to figure out which way you're going and it was freaking dark so it was very difficult to see the cones um, you know so again you had to kind of have that awareness around you of what does five yards look like um, you know, and, and not such a big deal, just the idea of when you walk into it, where were you at and watching everybody do it the first time versus the fourth or fifth time. Um, you could definitely tell that people got a little more comfortable with where things were around them. Um, to the extent that like before people were dancing around the cones versus trampling the cones, getting right to the cone and literally kicking it or getting right on it. Um, and so, uh, again, with this drill specifically, one of the things you see is the necessity of refinement in position for shooting, because when you're starting out 20 yards out, most guys come to a complete stop. And, you know, they, if you have, you should have the gun up already, should have the sights aligned align in the general direction, touch off your light, refine your sight alignment and sight picture, bang, hit the target and then move. Um, coming to the middle position at 15 yards, again, it's a decent sized target. You didn't have to come to a complete stop, but you still had to get things slowed down enough to find a dot, find the front side and the target, press a shot, and then you were trying to go again quickly. When you got up close to 10 yards, most of the guys were almost rounding the corner. You know, you're on one foot, um, you know, definitely not stopping at all and trying to make the shot. And had a couple of guys crash and burn on that aspect of it, especially the one away from the target. Yeah. Um, that had to make, you know, a, a second, had to stop and make a second shot. And the top left cone gets everybody. Exactly. It had to clean things up a little bit. Um, but, but it was funny because once everybody had like that one, like, oh, okay, that was just goes too fast. The second time through, nobody stopped. They just slowed it down just enough to make the hit, which is the whole idea of the drill is I think it, for us is to learn how much slowing down is actually necessary at what kinds of distances. And you'd be surprised at, seven to ten yards uh quarter size steel plate is 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 not a difficult target to hit while you're moving you just need to get under control enough to drive the front side of the dot and not screw up the trigger um i i, I like both of these drills a lot because they're just enough movement that like i'm not dying because i'm fat and out of shape um but they're just enough movement that you can move and do some fun stuff so yeah the other um <laughs> So the first couple times through, we did this with two hands. Um, after that, we started doing it, what's called on the mod. So you start out strong hand. Um, next position, you switch to your opposite strong hand. Yep. And go back and forth um, while, of course, running the weapon-mounted lights. Yeah. Um, so being able to run your light with one hand became very critical. Um, also, you know, efficiently, in this case, not really, maybe not so much a tactical thing, but being able to efficiently and safely transition the pistol from one hand to the other yeah. became very important. Um, and then also always knowing where that muzzle was pointed um, because you were moving you know, in multiple directions around the range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, guys, some of the things you learn about lighting systems um, is that while you may be able to play around with the light in the gun store in the daylight when it's 60 some degrees, um, you know, and, and figure out how to make that light go on and off with your finger, with your, you know, your strong hand grip and your trigger finger or whatever, however it is you're going to use it. Um, but when you get out in the world and start moving around and when it's a little bit chilly and your hands are cold and you're trying to figure these things out with the hand you don't normally use for that, um, you know, you get it, it, it definitely, there was some learning that occurred, 
Um, there are some lights out there with cap style switches like the new TLR 7A Flex. Um, phenomenal little light, especially in this environment because it's very, it's very ambidextrous and very easy to use from either side, especially from a perspective of tapping the light on and tapping the light off. Um, you know, always the Streamlight and the Surefire products, you know, always seem to be in a good place with this stuff as long as you know your switchology. I think the most of the most of the failures of getting lights we're getting lights back off between positions or getting a light off during a reload so you weren't you know kind of trying to call ET with your light or whatever the case may be um, you know so it's kind of one of those things where that that was where a lot of you know, people struggled a little bit were that getting the light back off getting it on didn't seem to be too much of a fight and just about everybody in the groups running a Streamlight or a Surefire product of some kind. Yeah. Uh, which speaks well to their switchology. Um, the amount of light everybody was able to produce, even with a 500 lumen TLR, um, that's plenty of light at these kind of distances. You're talking, you know, the TLRs, I think, honestly, is, is probably probably pretty easily a 40 meter light. I don't know that I'd go a whole lot past that, but as a civilian in a gunfight, if you're shooting beyond, you know, probably about 20 yards, you better have one hell of a good story to tell anyway. Yeah. So um, everybody, you know, it, it was pretty interesting to watch some of that. We did have some guys running... Um, a second gun or running a rimfire gun, you know, just to ammo considerations. Ammo is tough to get. Ammo is expensive right now, etc. And a lot of guys were concerned. And and this this range night probably could have been limited to 120 rounds, give or take. But I think most everyone chose to run the drills more than that and maybe shoot a little more than that. Um, you know, which I, I think speaks well of our group that you know we've all kind of seen maybe seen this coming and stocked up a little bit, and we don't want to give up our skills. Yeah. It, to to preserve ammo that you know. I would rather have the skills. There'll be ammo everywhere. Trust me. It'll right. be laying around. And to put these drills into perspective, a clean run on the Blaze X, I believe, is 10 rounds. And a clean run on the Grid of Fire should be 8 rounds. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Something Maybe like nine. that. Yeah. No, 9 They're or 10 clean. rounds. And yeah. Yeah if, yeah. if you shoot them clean, they are relatively low round count drills. And if you were to dump a round or two, they're still relatively low round count drills. You're not going through even an entire mag to run one. Um, and we were doing this in, you know, in, in four-man flights, so it's not like you were, you know, running it, setting up, running it again, running it, setting up again. You were going through and critiquing each other, helping guys maybe figure out ways to be a little more efficient, get in and out of position better, utilize a light better, or just rag on them mercilessly because that's kind of what we do sometimes too. Um, so, uh, it, you know, it's good, clean fun. Um, there were some, some things, I think, that kind of came to light while running these. Um, I run a Surefire DG switch on an X300 on, believe it or not, a Glock 19. Shocking, I know. Um, the DG switch is awesome. The white light ND thing is a real thing with the DG switch, worrying about when you're popping your light and when you're not. Um, I do think you can overcome it with training. I didn't struggle with having the light coming on when I didn't want it on. Um, and, and it also gave me an opportunity for a blip of light if I needed it without having to worry about it, um, you know, for navigation's sake. Um, again, in these drills shouldn't have been necessary, but it's nice to have if you want it. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of the DG switch. If you're going to train in a low light environment with it on a regular basis, especially moving around and stuff like that. So you have an awareness of where that button is and you're not activating it unintentionally or staying on it longer than you need to. Um, another thing that came to light, um, I know we'd say that shooting wasn't really a big part of this. Still a big fan of dots. Um, yeah. put, put the dot on the target, grip the crap out of the gun, put the dot on the target and slap the trigger. And if, if you're within 20 yards or so, generally that bullet's going to go where you want it to go. As long as you've got a decent grip and you don't screw up your trigger press too much, it's, it really is, 
it's super easy once you know where to look for it. So, big fan of that. Um, grip strength. Matters. It matters. Um, you know, doing things under duress where you're moving and then trying to set up and do things quickly. Um, doing and things with one hand. Doing things with one hand, popping out from cover and taking a shot quickly, you know, refining things and taking that quick shot. Um, the ability to stroke the trigger, you know, while having a, a really being clamped down on the gun is a big deal. Um, and that's something that, you know, you, you, you're told that and maybe somewhere intuitively you understand it, but there are certain things that you do that occasionally bring it to light where you're like, oh, yeah, yep, here we go again. Yeah, honestly, making that, you know, that 20-yard shot after you've been going anaerobic by sprinting from position to position for 30 seconds, um, having grip strength and reserve matters. Yeah, and if, you're, if any of these drills are taking you 30 seconds to do, um, you should slap your mama because she fed you too much biscuits and gravy when you were a kid. So um, these are realistically, what, 15, 17, 20 uh, second part times? Yeah, I mean, a good run on the grid of fire and gravel is probably 20 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I can do it. I've done it faster than that dramatically in gravel. So, you know, I would say that, you know, if you've never done it before, in the dark, muzzle awareness and some other things probably should give you pause to make sure that as you're turning away from a center position to go uprange rather than downrange to know is your muzzle pointed down or straight up or what's the case. Are you temple indexing? Are you hooking your holster? Are you trying to soul up a little bit or whatever the case may be? I just said soul up. That's kind of oxymoron <laughs> there. It's kind of cool. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, some of, the, you know, some of those things, um, the, the position aspect of it matters. Um, you know, Brian has always talked a lot about running the gun up in front of you, running with the gun up in front of you, maybe not necessarily temple index. Um, I'll throw high port. Out, high port. Yeah. High port is a phenomenal place to move with a gun. Um, temple index is not a bad place to move with a gun, but it does kind of lock your arm in and presents that or prevents that or slows down that natural running motion with that arm. You can maintain high port and still get a little bit of elbow movement. So instead of running with your hands where they normally are, you're running with your hands about 60 degrees advanced. Um, you know, it's so really, really fast to yep. go from the three to the four from high port. Exactly. And that's the other part of the conversation is you can get the gun back on target right now. Um, a little less rotational movement, et cetera, as well on the gun versus coming from Sewell or someplace else. Um, I would say that if you are a newer shooter who's not as accustomed to moving around with a gun in your hand, especially in a low light environment, um, that is where having the gun temple indexed where you're literally hooking your thumb behind your ear pro or you're, or you're pushing the meat of your thumb in that wrist area into your, your cheekbone, that high orbital um, against your hairline um, are things that are going to keep you out of trouble as far as where the muscle's going until you start to gain some comfort moving around with a hot gun in the dark. So um, there is a place for that temple index. And those of you who doubt it, that's cool. You know, it's, it's cool. You can hang out in the 80s or 90s. It's no big deal. Um, when you catch up, you can use it too when you need to. So there we go. Yeah, these are um, drills I would strongly encourage running in the daylight um, yeah. good weather <laughs> yeah. before you try to run them in the dark when it's cold. Yep. Well, and, and I would also say if you've never done movement like this, especially where you're going to be moving potentially back up range, you should be doing it dry or doing it with your finger guns or doing it with a blue gun or doing it with a roped gun or whatever the case may be so that your buddies can look and say, okay, when you, and, and run it for time, go as fast as you can go, you know, and, and give it a pew pew at each position and that kind of stuff. But the reality check is have your buddies watching you or video yourself and see exactly where the muscle's going because every once in a while, somebody will try and outrun their headlights. And when you start rocking your running arms, where's the muzzle going? And if your buddies are up range and, and you're muzzling them, they're, they're not going to be happy with you. 
Yeah, so. same thing. Make sure that trigger finger gets back up on the slide. Yeah. Um, when you're moving between positions, um, that is also extremely critical. Yep. And if you're running a gun with a manual safety, um, absolutely safety, you know, sights off, target safety on, sights on, target safety off. So if you're or moving. A, or a decocker. Or decock or whatever the case may be, you should be decocking every single time you're moving because your sights aren't on the target. So, um, you know, there's definitely a safety aspect of this, um, you know, so don't don't get ahead of yourselves. And if you've got a rabbi out there who can take you out to the range and run you through some of this stuff in a safe environment, then by all means, take advantage of that person. Um, and if you can get them to bring ammo, that's pretty cool, too. Good luck. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess the moral of this story, guys, get out and train. Um, this, this training event was about getting into position, was about movement and getting into position and awareness of your surroundings. Um, try and do some things in the dark that'll help you with that, but, but start off, if you've never done it before, start off with an unloaded gun. Even if it's honestly just going out and running um, some common um, agility drills that athletes would use. You see a lot of high school athletes using cones, running back and forth, doing wind sprints maybe doing some mobility stuff with like rope ladders on the ground and yeah. different things of that nature. Uh, you can go to a, a someplace that sells toys this time of year and buy half a dozen hula hoops for next to nothing and use hula hoops as positions to get into and out of and things of that nature. You can put them close by for high knee stuff and you can spread them way out for, you know, starting and stopping kind of stuff, but try it in the dark because it's a little bit different world and then go from there. So. Yeah. I would add to um, these drills work really well with um, rifles or sub guns. Yep. Uh, if you're using a rifle, shoot it on paper at this distance. Yes. Uh, or if you really want a smoker of a rifle drill, uh, put 20 yards between the cones. Yeah, well, start at 50 and do it at 50 to 100. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that way you're back off of any steel, you know, generally far enough to be safe. Um, but giving yourself 25 yards between positions, uh, it, it will wreck you. Um, even if you're a stud, it's an attention getter. So, yeah, good stuff, guys. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in finding out about more drills and things like these, uh, please follow us on our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just search for Cap City Outfitters. Uh, we also use those to update you when we get new product into the store or when we get restocked on things like guns, ammo, um, lights, etc. Uh, we also talk about this kind of stuff in our weekly newsletter. Um, you can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com. Or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com and we will happily add you to the newsletter list. Um, lastly, we look forward to seeing you um, in the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're right in front of the Aldi's, um, directly next to Louie's Fusion Grill. Uh, we are still running COVID-related hours of 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Um, let's keep the tyrannical little mini mic happy. Um... Yeah, and then on our website, you can find valuable information such as how to purchase a suppressor from our storefront over at silencershop.com and also how to do an FFL transfer. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you tuning in.